Welcome to the Cultivation of the Wild Woman podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Rachel. And today we're recording just before midnight on Halloween. Special Halloween because it's a blue moon. Full moon. I think a blue moon means a full moon. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm uh, I'm not sure exactly, but... You said it was two moon, two full moons in the same month. Yes. Okay. I thought it was the color of the moon. <laughs> no. That was back when the volcano went off during the full moon. And or maybe not during the full moon, but it went off and then it made the moon look blue because there was so much ash Weird. in the air. It covered the whole earth. So, like, everybody yeah. was getting a blue moon. That's weird. Or even like green and red, like people are just getting yeah. weird colors. And that sounds fun though. And when was the last time we had a full moon on Halloween Day? 1944. So, wow. what generation would have been born during that time? What are they called? Do you know? Boomers. boomers? Okay, so, boomers. They were kids when this happened. The generation that messed it all up. No. (laughs) Whoops. I think there's some generational uh, traumas. Well, I mean, I think a lot of healing happens on full moons, so I can't imagine what kind of clearing is happening on a full moon, blue moon, or a blue moon on Halloween. Yeah. And it's very special because it's my grandfather's birthday. He was born on Halloween. Mm-hmm. So, for him, may he rest in peace. His ashes are scattered into nature where he wanted to be. I, for one, want my skull to be kept. At least, or turn me into one of those anatomical dummy things that they have in medical science school <laughs> donate my bones to the science yes. class I like That'd the idea cool. of preserving skulls and skeletons not you, cremating you want to be cremating come on you want to be just turned into I would want the carbon. special mushrooms that eat your body mm. and uh, reabsorb you and like they mushrooms have the ability to like clear out your toxins and then that doesn't like directly go to the earth it goes directly to the mushrooms yeah well they have a filter yeah so you want to be filtered i want to be filtered (laughs) but i don't think they break down the bones i don't know you want organic filtration mushrooms yes all right well happy halloween yes (laughs) and today is the second to last uh chapter of women who run with the wolves so we are getting Yay. very close, very, very, very close. The feeling of finishing a oh. nice long book is amazing. Because this book is nearly 500 pages. I mean, my copy of the big, the big text copy is 500 pages ish, nearly. So I think that's a big accomplishment for a book. That's, that's well, a and book. this it's not even necessarily the page and account that makes it long. It's more of actually a deep book. Yeah. 
there's the depth of stories the ideas. and analysis so yeah some some books where you're reading and like uh you read a whole chapter and you barely had to think whereas this book every few paragraphs you paragraph. you're like oh my gosh yeah you could read a paragraph a day and you'd be good yeah so this chapter is quite nice because i think it's only five-ish pages sweet um and it's chapter 15, Shadowing, Canto Hondo, 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 The Deep Song. <clears throat> and she goes over how, oh, I'll just read the first paragraph because she says it better than I'm going to. Shadowing means to have such a light touch, such a light tread, that one can move freely through the forest, observing without being observed. A wolf shadows anyone or anything that passes through her territory. It is her way of gathering information. It is the equivalent of manifesting and then becoming like smoke and then manifesting again. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Don't you should say that. <laughs> Good. Um, so the wild woman has been shadowing human women for years. Now we see a glimpse of her, now she is invisible again. She comes to us in dreams or in stories, especially stories from our own personal lives, for she wants us to see who we are and if we are ready to join her yet. She goes on to say, We are meant to be permanent residents, not just as tourists in her territory, for we are derived from that land. It is our motherland, our inheritance at the same time. The wild force of our soul psyches is shadowing us for a reason. This is a saying from medieval times that if you are in a descent and pursued by a great power, and if this great power is able to snag your shadow, then you too shall become a power in your own right. <clears throat> Yeah, the shadow is um, fascinating. Perfect for Helen. Yes. And we did just watch the Peter Pan classic Disney 50s that came mm -hmm. to my mind mm -hmm. just now when you were reading where he lost his shadow and he was trying to find it. and just seemed kind of like one of those things that You'd be very incomplete without your shadow. And most people try to lose their shadow and don't want to. They don't want one. Because mm -hmm. I think of sh the shadow in the Jungian context where it's like all the things that you deny about yourself or are. Um, that are within you but that aren't socially acceptable. Mm. And so you kind of try to you get scared from those things mm -hmm. and then you're you're kind of half a human and it sounds like she I like where she says that um, uh, she wants to see who we are she comes to us in dreams and stories especially stories from our own personal lives for she wants to see who we are and I love that because to me, it's all about finding more 
um, like like uh, the wolf when the wolf when the she wolf follows anything in her territory, she's doing it to gather information. Mm. She says it's her way of gathering information, and I like that that it's about knowledge. It's about understanding. It's about like going deep into your own psyche and connecting the dots in there and like putting more of who you are into a image of for yourself like you have a clearer picture of who you are and you become more of an individual and then people see that mm. people see that you know who you are they know that you you know accept yourself because you know yourself mm -hmm. and often people who can't accept themselves don't they don't know themselves and then the, if you don't know yourself that you can see that in a person too it's pretty obvious and you're very you're more vulnerable to being manipulated when you don't know yourself than actually when you have been vulnerable with yourself like i think that gets shown externally like yeah that the external world is a representation of the internal world. Right. And the people on the outside who want to harm you, or maybe not harm you, but maybe they want something from you that you might not want to give them, they can easily take it if you don't know yourself enough. Because mm -hmm. they'll see that. They'll see that you don't really know who you are. And then they'll try to tell you who you are. And they have all their tricks. Mm -hmm. You know, they have all their twisting of words and all their games that they'll try to, you know, kind of take advantage of your innocence or your... Naivete. Mm-hmm. Mm. And she says that it's that most women are not afraid of this. In fact, they crave the reunion. Mm. So, it when you we when I was reading through this and you're talking, it was making me think of turning your weaknesses into strengths. Right. That like wherever you reminds me of people who like maybe have lost their sight, and then if they can use that to their advantage because they have more sensitive abilities in other areas like yeah their actually. visions are usually like their third eye vision is usually really strong or their hearing or their touch or their take you know what i mean yeah like that, you I think compensate. there's even some cultures that uh i don't remember what country it is but they ban people from being massage therapists except blind people <laughs> so it's job security for the blind Weird. They're the only ones who can be therap massage therapists. Hmm. Because that's really the best job for them. Mm -hmm. And to contribute to the community. I mean, obviously not. Uh, obviously, a blind person can do whatever they want. But just the fact that they recognize that this is kind of a sacred thing. Mm -hmm. If you're... Uh, that's what that made me think of. That, like... But, um, so she's introducing the concept of the shadow. Mm -hmm. 
or more specifically shadowing mm-hmm. which I think because she's already kind of introduced the idea of the shadow before but mm-hmm. shadowing okay so shadowing is following kind of gathering information and appearing and disappearing and manifesting and then becoming like smoke and then mm-hmm. manifesting again she says it another way abruptly the wolf turns and vanishes in a blur of white ruff and a plumed tail only to backtrack and pop up and behind the stranger again this is shadowing hmm. so it's a good visual because that's yeah. how like if you ever kind of followed by even a cat right <laughs> they kind of yeah. like see you and then like you look at them and then they're like oh, and they disappear they and then like you see freeze. them again later yeah. and you're like what i thought you would <laughs> <laughs> you've been watching me or we do that to have so cats. is there yeah is there a story no there's a, yeah, i should have mentioned that this since it's five pages there's no story oh. so it really is the winding down of the chapter yeah um and she will get to the part where she kind of ties the other stories together some more hmm into a nice quilt um, she goes on to say how we can kind of sense when the shadowing is happening that we notice a bent twig here and there pebbles overturned so their wet sides faced upward and we knew that something blessed had passed our way We began to shadow the wild woman, and she lovingly shadowed us in return. She waited for us and encouraged us. Without full knowing, we knew. Without full sight, we understood that the miraculous and loving force existed beyond the boundaries of ego alone. Hmm. That reminds me of what that link you sent to me um where i can't remember her name but there's a lady who was talking about getting glimpses of the next stage of your life ask angels melanie beckler and that was pretty interesting because i think i had been describing that to you yes yes and i had watched that video before that was not the first time i had seen that youtube clip yeah that's that was strange when you sent it to me and i was like whoa that's what i was talking about and i feel like the same energy with this shadowing mm-hmm. that you get like glimpses like a taste of where you're headed or like it's like just it's like we were talking about actually with the, how the retina has a blind spot, mm-hmm. the optic nerve, and how you're not getting the full picture, but your mind kind of fills it in, and how the, like, she was saying how you, you know you're being followed or something, like a twig or upturned pebble mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. it made me think of how, like, you're not getting a full message you're getting like little messages that here and there that don't mean anything in themselves until they 
all mm-hmm. kind of add up mm-hmm. in the brain and then your intuition is like oh. gives you a feeling or something yeah. well, reminds me of, of like um when you look back vision is 2020 or what's that called? Hindsight is 2020 yeah and it's the year 2020 yeah so it seems like one of those years where you like all of a sudden can look back and be like oh that's why and then like you like fast forward mentally and you're like bam in the present and so then you can kind of see the ripple that is going to ripple in the future yeah but it's not really sure. like a, a physical earth side like i know this is going to happen it's like a feeling yeah and it's very inter- it's it can be really frustrating actually because the I ego found myself can't stressing like out use about it. it can't use that inf- it's like what this is like we, we can't work with feelings like yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't I know. What's, what's the name? I know, like, yeah. Uh, I, what's, yeah. What is it all, like, written down and scientific? Mm-hmm. And it's like, um, it doesn't work that way, sorry. Mm-hmm. And you're like, shit. It's, it's calling on you to have faith and trust and hope and, you know, going with your intuition and your instincts and, mm-hmm. like, trying to empty your mind of words and other people's you know ideas and i find it like there's the image that's coming to my mind is like a forest with a hunter and they just kind of relax and sit still and listen Mm. and like hear kind of the how the trees breathe and they're listening to little birds or something and they kind of just let their awareness fill up the forest and like they let their maybe close their eyes even and let the sound kind of come to them so they get extremely sensitive and their perception sort of goes way beyond the normal range Mm. and you just all of a sudden can hear from across the forest the smallest little thing and you don't really know what you heard but you're just more aware that there's something Mm. and then you kind of let go of trying to see something and you just let whatever happens happen and then you respond and it's not a it's not like an intentional goal directed behavior mm-hmm. it's just allowing everything to happen and unfold and then you're not uh driving the the story you're just letting the story happen and then when the right moment comes for you to respond, you pull the arrow out and hmm. string the bow and take the shot and then, you know. But you can't force it, right? You can't force the deer to walk into sight when you need yeah. it to. That's making, your vision is making me think of how the brain works, right? If you're using meditation as a tool in the external world, how it'll impact the internal is that it'll push by listening and like I saw my aura like expanding if you're doing that kind of meditation and you're able to get like your 
your brain's map of the area bigger and bigger and bigger and then it would kind of spread in the brain mm -hmm. and you would be able to shine light on all the places because you're not just kind of stuck with a little flashlight only like in that little corner that you always get stuck in or that like spiraling yeah of like thoughts like the things i've noticed with like all the therapy self-help books is there's always like rewiring and the neuroplasticity of like getting new mantras and getting new habits and anything to kind of like build a new tunnel yeah to to push the and in yoga or any movement practice you're pushing the 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 fluid in the brain and the energy in the through the neurons to different tracks and in fact as many tracks as like you're trying to get it balanced and and um, cohesive and not like the dopamine brain like i'm thinking right, of serotonin right. like you want balance you stable want connection across the brain and you want connection from the top of the brain to the bottom of the brain mm -hmm. and so you're get, you're trying to get this you're trying to get your brain stem and your prefrontal cortex which is kind of responsible for emotions and goal-directed thinking and all that. Mm -hmm. But you're trying to try to get the, that prefrontal cortex part of your brain synced up with the brain stem, even into the spine, where you're fully... I, the, the best image I have is when I'm dancing and the muse, I, I get into this mode where the music is driving my body. Mm -hmm. and I'm not making any conscious decisions about my movements. Mm -hmm. But it's incredibly, like, the movements are, You, from the outside, it probably looks like I'm thinking about what I'm doing, right? Because mm -hmm. the movements, how can you move your arms so big and so precise or move your whole limbs and do all these very, looks like it has to be conscious, but it's actually unconscious. Same thing with like speaking in tongues. It's this unconscious expression. And it can and be driven by. And we've been talking by. about that recently that like it's important to have practices that you can go into that unconscious realm. And that usually means you need to master the, mm. the, the tool right. that will get you to that place. Right. So if you're a runner, you master your breathing and your leg strength and your endurance. Rhythm. If your, you, pace. your rhythm and, you know, all these things. Yeah. And if you're an artist, your brushes and your paint supplies and your papers and, like, your ability to just channel. Basically, is building that muscle of channeling whatever Yeah. you need to. Because I find you might have a good quote that... It, no, um, like... yes, you're talking about something I had also brought up last week, which was the subconscious equipment. And it was from the drawing uh, from the master's book by, I believe it's Robert Beverly Hale. And he was talking about how you... Drawing is a skill that requires you to do multiple things at once mm -hmm. and to think about multiple things at once. 
but he said that the conscious mind can only think about one thing at a time. So before you can fully draw, you actually have to program into your subconscious a bunch of skills. Mm -hmm. And you have to do that one at a time. And then once you have programmed into your subconscious, like ideas about proportion or anatomy or perspective or whatever, once, the, once those things become ingrained into your brain and they're part of your subconscious equipment, then when you go to draw, you can just think about your idea. Maybe it's an emotion or something. And then your subconscious helps you bring that idea mm -hmm, mm -hmm. onto the page. But it takes deliberate effort and practice to program your subconscious with the skills, the necessary skills that you want to use later. And that skills is very, very important to healing from what I've seen because you're, you don't know what art you are going to make. It's about right. the, like doing the ritual and letting your, your soul or your heart speak on the page and then you're seeing the unconscious realm right expressed and then it doesn't come out in like um addictions like that that's the other theme hmm. i've seen like between like humans are very addictive creatures and art is just an addiction and creating because it, it's like a, a it's a passionate habit right that like it's a very takes, rewarding takes habit mm-hmm and addiction is basically a narrowing of what you find rewarding. And art is the opposite of addiction because art expands what you find rewarding. Mm -hmm. The more I study art, the more I practice it, uh, the more beauty I see around me. I become sensitive to the elements of beauty in nature, in people, in objects, in architecture, whatever it is. Mm -hmm any of my senses actually I can delight more so before I would look at maybe um, going through walking through a park and I would see kind of the uh, I'd be paying attention to certain things but now when I walk through a park after so many years of doing photography I, l I see beautiful landscapes I see beautiful compositions mm -hmm. that I wouldn't be sensitive to if I hadn't been studying art or at least practicing art. So to me, part of what makes art so healing is that it helps you see more beauty and you, it makes more of your life rewarding. It makes more of life itself rewarding. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas an addiction says, no, Everything sucks except this one thing. Everything sucks except alcohol. Everything sucks except uh, heroin. Everything sucks except um, sexting or whatever it is. <laughs> everything, everything else is kind of boring and unstimulating. And the only thing that gets me off is this one thing and it keeps narrowing what you find interesting and what keeps narrowing mm -hmm. what you find beautiful to the point where you're kind of obsessed with only one experience mm 
and the real tragedy is that that experience never really lives up to your expectations and so you become this very small creature whereas art helps you expand what you find beautiful and so every all of a sudden everything is becoming more rewarding and everything becomes more beautiful and now things that before you didn't care about blow your expectations away with their beauty mm-hmm. now you see so much that or feel so much or hear so much uh from your senses that your senses are are rewarding you just for being alive and and you get to the point where it's the, it's the opposite of depression if depression mm-hmm. makes you not want to go on living art makes you really want to go on living because you get another another opportunity to have a rewarding experience mm-hmm. and you're curious that childlike curiosity is there usually and, yeah and hopefully i mean some when people you're an make artist. So, well some yeah some people make make art a chore or a job and they turn it into something that but doesn't I think have that, that that's play the addictive energy again yeah because that oh i see yeah they they make it's not true art because art is what, what was it doing something well that's one one way of, one way of people say it but also it's about enjoying the it's about enjoying the labor yeah to me i guess well is too objective you could do something well but you might hate what you're doing while you're doing it Uh, but you you'll do it well right (laughs) but you won't do it really well like the people who have always the people who have always inspired me the most enjoyed the labor and that was what allowed them i think we talked about this before but Let's say you go to a job, and I, I mean, we, we, we've all had this experience where you go and you're doing a job because obviously you need to support yourself. So you go and you do this job, but you didn't like what you were doing or you didn't enjoy what you were doing. And so as soon as your work day is done, you try to go home or go out or do something to obliterate the last eight hours of your day. <laughs> from your memory and you or on Friday nights you just spend the whole weekend you start on Friday night and you spend the whole weekend drinking and you're trying to forget all the time you spent doing that job that you didn't really like whereas an artist or a creative professional who actually enjoys the labor they're not trying to forget any part of their life they cherish all the moments of their day. They don't try to forget the experience they just had painting. They try to relive it again. Mm-hmm. They savor it. They love feeling the same feelings that they get every time they open their paintbrush box or can or set up a canvas or whatever it is. Um, get on their computer and open up their sound mixer or edit a film or pick up a camera. They 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 enjoy the experience and they want to rem- they like it. It's mm-hmm. like it's about connecting to that part of themselves. And when you can find something, when you can find something that you enjoy the labor, 
it turns your life into a unified experience. Mm -hmm. If you don't enjoy the labor, you go through this cycle of caffeinating yourself because caffeine creates cortisol and adrenaline, which is basically what gives you energy to perform this task that you hate. So you, you need caffeine and you need sugar because sugar releases serotonin, which is an antidepressant. So you're depressed and you're unmotivated. So you need caffeine for motivation and sugar for antidepressant. Then that gets you through the morning. By noon, you need more sugar and probably more caffeine. And you're running, America has done this to ourselves where we're running on, we're demotivated and we're depressed and caffeine keeps us motivated. It's a pseudo motivation though, because it's mm -hmm. a chemical dependency. And as soon as you don't have the caffeine, you can't get anything done. You won't even, your brain won't even work properly. You won't go to that space where you need to do to perform what you're doing. And I understand people are just trying to make their lives work. And I don't think it's individual's fault. I think it's a cultural issue because we don't teach this in school that you're supposed to find the labor that you enjoy for its own sake. It's, it's, no one, it, it's hard to do it when you can't monkey see, monkey do. We well, we're to, specifically to... teaching young people to think about money first mm -hmm. instead of a vocation. A vocation is a calling. It's a vocal. It's a vocation. It's an inner calling. And it is, it means that you're your tasks that you're going to be doing are intrinsically rewarding in and of themselves. And so you don't need a lot of money to do it because you find the labor rewarding. And so the problem is that our whole education system kind of evolved out of getting people to do stuff they hate for money. Mm -hmm. And so now we have a bunch of people who do stuff they hate for money. And they're all depressed and they're all drugged and they're all, you know, they're just finding a way to survive in this system. Because they still need that serotonin. So right. So, like, you will find where there's a will, there's a way. And so if the will kind of gets sent in the negative direction, then it, you know, turns into addiction. And if it can be sent in the other direction, then you can become an artist. Is what I see. Like... That desire for the feeling of union and connection and serotonin and oxytocin. Well, we're yeah. Like you will your your brain will find it, and if it yeah you'll needs you'll, to take it they, with with. <laughs> they say you're looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm. And and we have a system that uh, makes it that kind of happen for many many young people. Because this is one of the things that you will not uh, intuit. There are some things that you can follow your intuition with. But sugar to a child blows your intuition out the water. Mm. Like you will not. That's a hard drug. Mm. So sugar, caffeine, these are, these are actually really hard drugs. And we have built a whole economy on them. Mm-hmm. And the problem with it, with what you were just talking about, made me think 
okay, yeah, artists, people are like, well, we can't all be fucking artists, you know, you're all just fucking, uh, artsy-fartsy, or whatever, you know, it's like, there's this anti-artist energy Mm. that is mainly, I think, from people who would be great artists if they found what they really wanted to do, mm-hmm. <laughs> but they don't, so then they hate. But um, that that sentiment of, you know, we can't all be artists, to me that is always the kind of not understanding that you don't have to be a painter or a sculptor or a fine artist or, you know, you don't have to be, um, you know, you don't have to be, uh, lazy and you don't have to be crazy and you don't have to be a sex addict to be an artist. Now, that is pretty common, but an artist, like you were saying, is doing something well. And like I added to that, that you're enjoying the labor. So to me, you, like my mom always told me, um, you can be a garbage man, just do it well. And, and that stuck with me because mm-hmm. it's not about what you're doing that makes you an artist. It's about how you do it. Yep. It's not how do you, you do. feel about it? How are you, how are you, what's your attitude as you perform this task? Mm. And Everyone can have an artist's attitude toward the labor of their day. Everyone can. And sometimes it's not about finding the right perfect job for you, but just maybe accepting that you have to do what you have to do. And whether you have a good or bad attitude about it is going to have, you know, pretty profound effect on your entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, your attitude becomes a habit, too. Your attitude is not separate from your behavior. Like, your 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 attitude is a behavior, and it is a choice. And I could have been a garbage man who loved it, or I could have been a garbage man who hated it. I would have been doing the same thing, but the way, the attitude I, I brought to that labor is what is important, I think. And it's really difficult to get through to people because they're sugar addicts and they're caffeine addicts. And, um, you know, we failed them. We really, really failed them. We failed a lot of people. I think we failed most people, actually, right now in, in, in our country. I mean, we, I think we failed the children um, for the last, you know, probably probably over a hundred years of, of abusing and mistreating our children and struggling through all the bullshit that comes from that, you know, all the abusive parents because they were abused, you know, it's just, we're at, we're at a very, yeah, we have to, uh, like just talking about this on Halloween, like this, this book is so important. It's not, it can't, we can't go on. We can't keep doing what we're doing in terms of. Mm. Definition of insanity. Doing something over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. So if we keep eating sugar and caffeine, well, 
and expecting that we don't have adrenal fatigue. What? That's the recipe for adrenal fatigue. Mm -hmm. Like that. But but the, the it's cure it's, isn't it's, to not change and to. It's just too hard. It's 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 so hard. I mean, I have I have a lot of family who are struggling with certain things and it's easy to say but it's it's next to impossible to do you know and I th it's like one of the hardest things it's like okay we we're in a hole we're in a deep hole mm -hmm. culturally and it's so easy to say oh you know how to get out of a hole how climb out but we've been digging it's it like for a dude while. we're in a deep deep hole deep, deep hole and the slot the sides are slippery and wet rock and it's like yeah but it's you just climb out of the hole you know mm. it's a simple answer it's it's pretty straightforward or in this case straight up <laughs> and the only no, that's thing we got to be creative cuz well i think for like, us it's just good getting more like we're just seeing how we have to really put ourselves out there more because people will only be able to heal when the people who are healing are willing to share mm. mm -hmm. and if you find yourself on the healing side then you really kind of have an obligation to to share how you're doing it like if you find yourself, you know, then moving you're, forward. We're just intuiting the rest of this chapter, so let, let's continue. Okay, yeah, this sorry, I'm going. You, you're digging the hole. You're triggering me so. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. You haven't read the chapter, so I'm like, wow, you're just like, did you write the book? So she goes on to talk about dreams, saying that women across the world, your mother, my mother, you and I, your sister, your friend, our daughters, all the tribes of women not yet met, we all dream what is lost, what next must rise from the unconscious. We all dream the same dreams worldwide. We are never without the map. We are never without each other. We unite through our dreams. Dreams are compensa compensatory. They provide a mirror into the deep unconscious most often reflecting what is lost and what is yet needed for correction and balance. Through dreams, the unconscious constantly produces teaching images. So, like a fabled lost continent, the wild dreamland rises out of our sleeping bodies, rises steaming and streaming to create a sheltering motherland over all of us. This is the continent of our knowing. It is the land of our self. Well, let's end it right there. What? She said it. It's all there. We're, we're close, Ben. Let me keep going. Oh, okay. Bonus but, content. Uh, no worries. Saying <laughs> <laughs> um, the wild feminine is not only sustainable in all worlds, it sustains all worlds. 
Um, she goes on to say about the word reclamation and that it's derived from the old French reclaimer, meaning to call back the, the hawk which has been let fly. Yes, to cause something of the wild to return when it is called. We are using the voices of our minds, our lives, and our souls to call back intuition, imagination, to call back the wild woman. Hmm. If there is to be change, we are it. We carry la que sabe, the one who knows. If there is to be inner change, individual woman must do it. If there is to be world change, we women have our own way of helping to achieve it. Use your love and good instincts to know when to growl, to pounce, to take a swipe, when to kill, when to retreat, when to bay till dawn. She must shake out her pelt, strut old pathways, assert her instinctual knowledge. We can all assert membership in the ancient Scar Clan, proudly bear the battle scars of our time, write our secrets on walls, refuse to be ashamed, lead the way through and out. Let us not overspend on anger. Instead, let us be empowered by it. Most of all, let us be cunning and use our feminine wits. Let us keep in mind that the best cannot and must not hide. Meditation, education, all the dream analysis, all the knowledge of God's green acre is of no value if one keeps it all to oneself or one's chosen few. So come out. Come out wherever you are. Leave deep footprints because you can. Be the old woman in the rocking chair who rocks the idea until it becomes young again. Be the courageous and patient woman in the crescent moon bear who learns to see through an illusion. Don't be distracted by burning matches and fantasies like the little match girl. Hold out till you find the ones you belong to like the ugly duckling. Clear the creative river so La Lorena can find what belongs to her. Like the handless maiden, let the enduring heart lead you through the forest. Like La Loba, collect the bones of lost valuables and sing them back to life. Forgive as much as you can, forget a little, and create a lot. What you do today influences your matrilineal lines in the future. The daughters of your daughters of your daughters are likely to remember you and most importantly, follow in your tracks. Wow. So what does this chapter mean to you? <sighs> Can you say it another way? That's another way to... If you have to take one thing from this chapter to kind of go forward with and think about more, 
and keep chewing on what kind of idea is popping into your head I hear the word expression that that's the way out and through hmm. um, not only for myself but for the future generations like that I'm reading this book and that we read like um, the Greeks and the Bible and bibliographies and watch movies and all these things of people in the past to see the stones that, that they have set up to be able to like like the bridges they have built to be able to cross thresholds and the, the safe havens that they've built and the markers that they've left for us of like don't go here and go here and this this is how this is what we found like we don't have to start from the beginning every time somebody's born you know right um, I can help contribute to that serotonin that lives on, which is your legacy. So I can help build through expression and I see like the wolf in the forest and she's kind of helping lead me indirectly, but kind of directly towards what I need to see. It's kind of those flashes into the future again. Like by expressing you're 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 moving forward and you're doing things and you're able to reflect because you've done something. You can't reflect if you haven't done anything. So expression allows for that hindsight. Clarity and mm-hmm. And so she has a list of 10 things for those who are struggling to help kind of like reconnect you to the wild nature. She calls it general wolf rules for life. One, eat. Two, rest. Three, rove in between. Four, render loyalty. Five, love the children. Six, cavail in the moonlight. Seven, tune your ears. Eight, attend to the bones. Nine, make love. Ten, howl often. 